you been doing the videos? Um, well, I started them about a year, almost a year and a half ago, but uh, you know they've come and gone in waves. Like, I did them every day for like oh jeez three months, and then. You know, it's a combination of getting busy, and then also I'm like, well, I think I played the, you know, I'm, it's all improvised, so I'm okay. just kind of throwing out stuff. But after a while, I'm like, yeah, I'm using these a lot. Yeah. And, and so uh, I, I bagged it for a while, and then I wanted to get back into it, mm-hmm. and um, got back into it, and then I got really busy again. Yeah. So just it was kind of on hold for now. Ooh, here comes our waitress. Oh, good. Hello. Hi. Um, what do you have? Yeah. Oh, uh, I'm Grey Goose Vodka Basil Smash. And I'll go for, uh, I'll have a vodka tonic. A vodka tonic? V- vodka tonic. Yes. Yeah. There you okay. go. <laughs> Is that a weird drink here? What's that? Is that a weird drink here? Uh, no. <laughs> it's funny because... After even after twelve years of living here, I'll say something in German and I'll get it repeated back to me. Yeah, like, you didn't quite get that, sir. <laughs> I'm trying. Yeah. So when somebody speaks English, like like it, it's it's something as simple as the vowel sounds. Yeah, yeah, and are it's, so round. They're much rounder here. Yeah. Like it's it's pretty Midwestern. Like a lot of Wisconsinites mm-hmm. are heavy German, like with a heavy German heritage. Yeah. So like the yeah, and okay, it's okay. like it's there's some like Norwegian, like Scandinavian going mm-hmm. on, but it's also it's a lot of that in the German vowel system too. And I so. was doing well <laughs> on like you know I was taking like some like little uh, you know app courses, and yeah. it would have me speak into it. It liked me fine. It liked me fine. French, not at all. But for German, I could actually seemingly <laughs> fake my way through it, but. Being greeted with the confused faces I have makes me think that maybe I should have gone for a pay app. Hey, everybody. Welcome down to another edition of Dive Bar Mitzvah. Hey, it is me, your pal Ian, and hot damn, I'm excited about today. Uh, We have gotten out of town. Now, in the past, I've gotten out of town. I've gone to St. Paul. Even one episode, I went far, far away, and I went to New Orleans. Well, today, ladies and gentlemen, I am in a far, far away land. Uh, It's been great. Uh, I... uh, embarrassing as it might be to say I have uh, had before this last week had never left the continent of North America had always you know I mean being an artist isn't easy first off you know I mean when you when you live in abject <laughs> poverty sometimes you know the, the big you know you don't get flown out very often you always figure you will and you think of yourself as a as a very worldly person but when it comes right down to it rent has to get paid and I'm barely employable well luckily somehow things have changed uh, in the not too distant past and uh, now I am finding myself out of the country. And I flew into London uh, last week, had some time there, uh, then went to Paris for a good couple days, had a great time there, and now I'm at my third destination, which has been great. Um, I am actually, this is, uh, my, my, this is my land, I guess. You know, my lineage comes from here. This is the place that I was born to be. And now for the first time, I am here. And with a better person I cannot imagine, he is a uh, fellow Minneapolitan. But he left the dust of that city off of him and has become the toast of the town we're in. I'm talking about Berlin, Germany. That's where we're at. We're at Scotch and Sofa. And what neighborhood is this? This is in uh, Prince Lauerberg. Okay. Uh, And having a fine time here, we have some cocktails coming post-haste. 
Um, it's a bad idea, by the way. You, you know what? It's always a bad idea, and that is exactly why we do it. Um, he uh, he's played in one of the biggest biggest workhorse bands we had in town, uh, Greasy Meal, and then for some reason left all that behind, and now he's here having a great time in Deutschland. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest today, David Anania. How you doing? Um, well, first, hey, hey. Uh, it's great to be here. I'm I'm great, man. I am well. Okay, I'm lying. Actually, <laughs> I'm mostly great. Yeah. I'm mostly great. Um, yeah, physically, I, a couple of months ago, I hurt my back, and I'm still kind of reeling from the aftermath of that. But so, are you worried about mixing alcohol with meds today, perchance? Absolutely, I don't have it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> it's going to be the worst. <laughs> dive bombets for you ever done? Oh, we, I, I you know, we haven't done many. We don't have a long history, but we have hit some very big, big low lights. So <laughs> it's going to take some work to do that. And just the, interno- the intercontinental feel we have in this episode already puts it heads and tails above most stuff. Excellent, excellent. Um, so you're a drummer by trade. Yeah, not a question, but you know what? I thought it might open a, open a door of conversation. It, it does. It does. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I um, I started. I started when I was a wee little lad. And where are you from originally? Well, I I was born about about a half hour north of New York City. Oh, okay. So I'm I'm a New Yorker natively, and um, as as history has it, um, I I have a, a there's a great distance of time between myself and my older brothers about ten years actually ten years to the day. Wow. Between myself and and the middle brother Johnny to the day. To That's kind of yeah, I ruined <laughs> I ruined his tenth birthday. His family was gonna you know they were taking him to Rye Playland to roll, you know, uh-huh. ride on roller coasters and they had to make a U turn and go back to the hospital. Oh. Yeah, he, he still yeah, has he a problem with still that. Still never forgave you. No, no. Um, but he was also the reason why I got into drumming. Like okay. He was he was um, at the time he was in high school, and. Uh, he would go off to school for the day, and my oldest brother's even older than he is, so I would just be home with my mom or dad and um, wandering around the house. And every once in a while, I'd get this crazy idea to go down into his bedroom and just kind of, you know, it's just part of the house. So I'm going to go down there, and there it was. He had his own drum set. Okay, he was so you drum- were just beating on his crap. Yeah, I was kind of thinking was, little brother, maybe that was the case. But no, absolutely. he actually had a drum set. No, okay, he that's actually good. had an instrument, a legit instrument. And uh, I totally cavemaned on it. And But it stuck with me. It was like it was just immediate that that was something that I was going to do. And I was, you know, I was like four years old when I wow, first really? sat. Yeah, when I you know stood on his bass drum pedal and banged away. Wow. So yeah, and did he end up being uh, a decent drummer, or is he just now look at you going? No, he hates me for that too. (laughs) Sometimes talent is weird. My father was a great drummer. He gave zero of it to me. Not not (laughs) not an iota. I still have the white man overbite. I can't separate the hand with the. But the white man overbite is funky. You're gonna have to explain that to me because I've never found that to be funky in the least. It just sounds like pretty much borderline incompetence. Although some of the best funk bands have had have had white guys. You know, Sly and the Family Stone, white guy drummer. Andy Newmark's fantastic Mm -hmm. drummer. Dave Garibaldi, Tower of Power. Yeah, also. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And Phil Collins. Okay, he's not really a funk drummer. <laughs> no. But, um, yeah. Uh, wait, what was the question? Um, uh, what were we talking about? Uh, well, oh, how, how brother, yeah, how it doesn't, yeah. doesn't travel necessarily. And, and, and yeah, and so he, he kind of, he grew out of it, basically. He, mm-hmm. he followed the footsteps of, of our dad, who was a professional actor. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He, he was, um, my, our dad was a, an immigrant from Sicily. He came over to the States, I think, when he was eight and worked with his father, our grandfather, in his dad's shoe store in the Bronx for years. 
but he always wanted to be an actor, and he worked his ass off and became a professional actor. Really? That was his career. Would uh, anything that uh, people would be familiar with? Yeah, I mean, okay, well... He he did a lot of stage work. So okay. he started because off because he was a, a he was a serious actor. He was, <laughs> he was a very serious actor with a baritone. But he um he started out in vaudeville with a with a comedy wow. trio. Okay, so it was like old school. Yeah, and uh, with that trio they did I think they were they were guests on the Phil Silver show and the Milton Berle show. Um, and then he he grad he gradually shifted into theater and got to Broadway. He uh, his most notable performance he was he was a Featured ensemble, if not, he might have had actually a co-starring role in, in Applause with Lauren Bacall. Okay, when that hit Broadway, it was around you know 1969, I think, or so. Uh, and did uh, Hello Dolly with Carol Channing and a national tour of Annie. And the the one role that I'm really super proud of that it's just an extra role, but you actually can find him in the movies. Um, he was one of the henchman for the Dons at this big meeting of the Dons okay. in the original Godfather. Really? Movie. Yeah. Wow, your so you pop see was in the Godfather. My That's dad amazing. was in the Godfather. And the Pope of Greenwich Village. So, yeah, so. And this had to be a great house to grow up in then. It was, man, it, the one thing I regret is being young. Yeah. Isn't that horrible? Seriously, yeah. it was. You were there, but I was yeah. there, and there was like, you know, there were tons of stars. I mean, people who were, became relatively famous. Um, um, Tom Urich and Bonnie Franklin and Bob Mandon, Bob Guillaume. Um, Bob Guillaume. Yeah, Bob man, Benson was yeah. on the pad. Um, uh, who else? I mean, Lauren McCall, it, the list goes on. And, and these people were all like, they'd come up and hang at the house and I, it, I was, and these just, are just I was your, like your five, dad's friends. You know, I was yeah. four or five, three. I, it did, didn't matter to me, but it was, I would have loved to have been slightly older of course but but i did get a taste of of that lifestyle though early like i I have a strong belief that the reason i'm doing as much traveling as i've at least as i've done so far is because by the time i was old enough to really kind of understand what was going on he and my my mom had split and he was doing a lot of national tours of broadway shows Mm -hmm. so he was doing like hello dolly but it wasn't in it, like they did a stint on broadway but it was like you know boston and dc and uh, you know the, the first time i i flew on an airplane unattended i was five years old i flew wow. out to wichita i'm to 39 see- years old taking the train here almost i was in sweats <laughs> here you are five taking on a damn plane well but i got the cool little like plane pin and some peanuts yeah so, of course you know, it was yeah. like, and I, I think they could still smoke on airplanes back then so, so. they gave you so a cigar I was too yeah, yeah um but uh but it was like this this whole idea of like traveling in combination with performing arts. I think that was that kind of got in my blood when I was a kid even. Oh, yeah. And so it was really an interesting that was interesting for me to travel and see him perform in all of these different cities as I was growing, you know, as, you know, between the age of 8 and 12. Okay. And that really was part of my life, you know, my school vacations. Yeah. I'd go spend them there. And that was fun. So that was my first my first taste of touring wow I think. Yeah. and uh, something that you obviously continue to do quite a lot how many years uh, were you with greasy meal i mean i assume the run right yeah i uh, almost like the first full year of the band um dorian crozier was the drummer okay. and he split and moved out to la and jo- um, as part of the rembrandts oh yeah and yeah. so um at that time i had already made my way deep enough into the scene where i was subbing for michael bland yes prince's drummer with mpg um with uh, Dr. Mambo's Combo. Yeah. And so 
through the grapevine and word of mouth and maybe some of the guys coming down to check check it out every once in a while when I'd be playing, um, I got a, a phone call from Brian Gallagher, sax okay. player, yep. and um, asking me if I'd want to come down and sit in because they were looking for a replacement for Dorian. Now, like, at this point, are you cocky enough not to be scared? Because, I mean, no, between man, like Dr. Totally Mambo's combo and Greasy Meal, we're just known as the motherfuckers. Yeah. Like, I mean, these this was as good as it gets. No, I was freaked out every night. It was like I was just going to get my <laughs> ass kicked, it just it, depending on how bad it was. I yeah. just was. That was the one thing I wasn't sure of. Total embarrassment. But Anything it, better than that, we're fine. But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, and... Uh, Dr. Schumer. Um, yeah, here, here's where the problem begins, ladies and gentlemen. Um, it, it was such an amazing learning experience, like, playing with these guys. And we got to do a bunch of great shit. We had a huge following, and the music was fun, and the vibe was great. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's like... Well, you guys super, were like superheroes of funk. I mean, every I mean, we, we, Minneapolis. Yeah, was, I think it was a always thing. it was a bizarre event every week. We tried to just throw something down and make it make it unique and interesting, but but it still brought everybody together. And I, I'm I'm unbelievably grateful for that band for for being in the band itself mm-hmm. and the music, but also for what was created because of the band, like people becoming lifelong friends, really, didn't yeah. know each other before, and just like you know. 800 to 1200 people in the caboose every week yeah I mean, and, and that's, you know, practically unheard of. I mean, sometimes I'm a little bit jaded about the Minneapolis music scene, yeah. but it sometimes uh, appeal, uh, seems to me that it doesn't necessarily hold its, its own very well. Like, you know, I mean, we like to have you first and then, you know, eh, whatever, and then they move on. But yeah, I mean, yeah, you yeah, guys, yeah, that's true. time and time again, I mean, you guys were taken as seriously as could humanly be possible as a Minneapolis band by Minneapolitans, which is a high, high compliment. Yeah, especially when, you know, Prince isn't down. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, to even be given a second thought um, is was was something special. Yeah. Like the fact that we, we really did have a staying power, and I think it was because of the the musicianship and the sense of community and I was I was lucky to be a part of it it was really a once in a lifetime experience and I I'm glad we still you know we still managed to get together for a while afterwards Mm -hmm. too we we broke up for a few years but then we started to get together somewhat regularly up and up through last year actually so I was really really happy that we could still do something yeah now, and um, you mentioned Prince there. Um, what has it been like to witness the aftermath of his passing um, so far away from Minneapolis? I mean, because Minneapolis, of course, it's everywhere. You can't, you, you can't not see it. But yeah. I was, you know, pleasantly surprised how it, that seemed to be kind of a worldwide thing. You know, sometimes you hold him as your own, but you know he's global. But then to see the outpouring of grief from all over. Yeah, it, it was... Um... <laughs> It was really strange. I mean, you know, because a month earlier, um, we lost Brian Gallagher. Yes. From sax player from Greasy and from the MPG Horns Hornhead section. And so it was like, it was like two two left hooks yeah. blindsided, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, and obviously, Brian's Brian's passing affected all of us on a on a personal level. Me included, at least. Of course. With Prince, I I didn't know him as a human being. I mm. knew him as the artist the that he was. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. As, as the the you know the mysterious as the emperor basically, <laughs> and um, 
uh, I was in Vienna at the time, and my I was visiting my girlfriend who lives there, and uh, you know. <laughs> The last time I was in Vienna visiting her it was the morning I found out that Brian had passed away. Jeez. And the first day, that the following visit, I just I read um, Alan Freed was the first or no, was the first post I read. Okay. About you know the some something's, something's happening going in Paisley down. Park, yeah. and I was like, oh man. And it, it still hasn't fully set in the, yeah. with me at least the way like I watched Purple Rain yesterday mm-hmm. for the you know the first time in years, and. I was like watching it, and then I was expecting to like have some sort of happening, like a breakdown of some sort of, during the movie. And Purple Rain came close, but it really, you know, what it was that got me was when I was watching Baby I'm a Star at the very oh, end of the movie. Yeah, I yeah. would die for you into Baby I'm a Star, and to see how much fun he was having on stage, and I'm like, wow, man, this guy lived it. Like it was. Eating it, sleeping, breathing, drinking it, yeah. you know, p- obviously creating and playing it and mixing it, producing it, and you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was just that—that that was the part where I kind of I broke down, where I was like, "Man, he was such an amazing spirit to have mm-hmm. in the universe as a, as a musical essence." And you know, I just hope that his passing. Sp- Spawn some sort of inspiration in this generation, like yeah. for people to just step up. You know, I, I feel that now's the time. <laughs> like when everybody, you know, just, just bring it on. I, everybody, just do, anybody who feels like they have it in them, go for it. Because yeah, we, we really need it. Well, because we really now, I mean, and with Prince and with Bowie, uh, who I visited the uh, Tanza studio yes. today, where the I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, which yeah. meant that I walked by because I couldn't set up and you know you can't get in, but you just walk yeah, by no. the building and go, hey, look at that, um, and you know, visited the the studio where he did the Berlin trilogy. But now we have a, what what a year ago would have been an unthinkable void, you know, and yeah. now it's just like now we need the new kids, now we need the kids in here, yeah. which is which is you Absolutely. know, uh, yeah, and they exist. I just, I feel like, you know, and I, you know, I'm talking out of my drink here, but (laughs) I feel like there's been such a spin of how nasty the record business is and the industry and Spotify streaming and and payola and the whole deal that I think a lot of people are shying away maybe from from giving it 100%. And I, I could be completely wrong and I could be projecting onto other people what I might be feeling for myself. Yeah. But but man we just we we need we need to keep churning the the this and this to kind artistry. of run with what you're saying though I mean it's never has it felt like the deck was so stacked against you cuz I mean people have made the analogy you know a professional musician and you know professional like basketball player but now it's like okay yeah you could be the next Michael Jordan but now you're not going to get paid it's like yeah. just imagine that. I mean, just you know how but the industry get exposure. is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, everybody will know who you are. Yeah. They'll be wearing your T-shirts, and you still won't be making any money yeah. off of that. Yeah. But, but the guy who sold them on the sidewalk. Yes, will. exactly. Yeah, whoever you sent that, whoever you signed the all-in contract with, <laughs> be very happy to see you. But yeah, yeah that's it. Yep. Um, now let's uh, let's move on a little bit here. Um, so we are here in, in Berlin. Now this is the this is one of the big reveals of the interview. Why are you in Berlin? Yeah, 
<laughs> and it's it's a good thing. It's not like you got ran out of the country. There's no, no weird alimony things. No, I was just going because they kicked me out. Yeah, this is the only place it would take yeah. me, and I'm here under yeah. a fake name. When I when I left Minneapolis in 2000, um, Jim Anton and I, after Greasy Mule broke up, we both went out on tour with Shannon Kerfman for a year. Okay. She um, had just gotten signed by Clive Davis to Arista for a, a, a deal of some sort. I'm not sure how many records, but we toured with her first release, the Loud Guitars Big Suspicions tour. And it was awesome. We were all over the country. We were packed in a van, but we were all over the country. We did Leno. We did a couple of other. We, my first gig with, with her was Good Morning America. Wow, okay. That was, and that again, was, no was pressure. Like, yeah, yeah, no pressure there. I was like, ah, God, I, God, wait, how do I count it in? <laughs> um, but... Uh, and through that tour, like I, I got to know a good friend of Jim Anton's, this guy named Ian Pei, who is um, a multi-instrumentalist and, a, and an artist. He's a painter and also has a dance background. And he ended up being at the right place in the right time with all these talents and got hooked up as one of the original members of Blue Man Group, mm-hmm. one of the, the instrumental yeah. members. He was the drummer. Because, and you know, a lot of people think when you think Blue Man Group, you've got the three guys who are yeah. blue. But then you have the band. Yeah, the band. And, and back in the day, I mean, it was originally, originally, it was Larry Heineman who was playing the string instruments, the Chapman Stick at that time, and, and Ian was the drummer. And Jim knew Ian from Minneapolis because okay. Ian went to McAllister. And so Jim got to know Ian um, through his wife, Michelle, who was also going to McAllister at the time. Then through Jim and Greasy Meal, I got to know Ian because we played a couple of showcase shows in New York in 97. So after that, um, when we were on tour with Shannon in 2000, we hooked up with Ian a few times because we played stuff in New York. Mm-hmm. And in April of 2000, Blue Man Group was just in the final mixing stages of their first CD called Audio. Okay. And I had never, I had heard of Blue Man Group, and when Greasy did a couple of shows in Chicago, they were like, yeah, you should come down and see the show. And I was like, yeah, now I'm going to go to, you know, food. Um, but we were hanging out at Ian's place one night on the Shannon Kerfman tour, just hanging out after a show, and he played the the either the rough mixes or maybe it was the the masters of the audio cd and i heard it for the first time i heard blue man group music and i was blown away yeah. it's like multiple drummer tribal stuff toms and it was like this is kind of like genesis yeah like, this well, is I mean, kind of like the stuff i was listening to when i was a kid yeah because like, i mean it's it's so omnipresent when if you take away all the artifice of what you know of just what you've seen and then just take it on a purely both performance and musical level it's fucking art. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, this isn't just you and know. That's why they created it. They created it as a as a as a conversation piece, like a, a um, kind of a, a contemplation on on the is like a sort of a response to the eighties. Basically, mm-hmm. is what Blue Man Group is. Okay, they created the characters as sort of a um, a non ethnic associated being mm-hmm. from anywhere, yeah, from wherever, yeah, that stumbles upon pop culture and comments on it <laughs> in their way like they're very naive they're very intelligent but they're very naive and curious they're like yes. kids and they don't speak they speak through music and through their eyes yes. their expression like that that's how they communicate but they they connect with the audience by their discovery of these of pop culture whether it be music or art or you know modern art or so whatever and so it is. It is art. It's performance art, and that's what it started as. And then it's now all over the world. Yes, performance art. 
But when I heard these recordings, I was blown away. I was like, I don't know when there would ever be an opening <laughs> for this show, but I would love to know about it. Just, yeah. just let me know. And I told Ian this, and I said, you know... I, Putting I'll, it out in the cosmos, just in case. Yeah. Absolutely. Four months later... Really? That's pretty less, good That's pretty good cosmic turnaround right yeah, there. Yeah, man. I was like, I must have been jujuing it. Yeah. Ian called me. He's like, hey, man, there's a spot in New York. If you want it, you should come out and audition. I was like, yeah. So we had just gotten done with the end of the Shannon Kerfman tour. And there was like one benefit show. And I, I asked if I could blow it off. And I didn't, I didn't just bail. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not that unprofessional. No, but I, I asked Shannon. I'm like, do you, do you really need me? Because I want to do this audition. She's like, it's okay. We'll do it acoustic anyway. And mm-hmm. like, Thank you. So I went, flew out. Audition, got the call back, and then and against how many people? You know, this probably was a big I don't damn deal. Know. I mean, I don't I'm going to say I you were plucked from thousands. I'm going to agree with you. <laughs> it, it, I couldn't. Yeah, and it, the funny thing was, is I walked in and I was like, oh man, I because sh- I, I shaved my head, you know, cosmetic choice, <laughs> and uh, I walked in and I'm like, they're going to think I'm the biggest nerd. Yeah, I'm not going to get this gig, and but luck would have it. About five minutes before I was about to board my Sun Country flight back to <laughs> Minneapolis, I call and I, I left them a message because I hadn't heard from them. I had heard really good things during the week about how yeah. people were like Ian would communicate with me. It's like I'm like, so what did they think? It's like this. They said it was you know probably one of the better auditions they'd ever seen. I was like, yeah, this is Jeez. great. Hey, yeah, super happy. And then I just got freaked because nobody talked to me yeah. about it and i called him and i said hey i left them a message i'm like ah well i'm about to get on my flight so listen i just want to thank you exactly I appreciate yep. it thanks for the experience i had a great time and good luck and like two minutes later my phone rings it's like oh nobody called you <laughs> see that never happens you no. always think to yourself yeah. like you know what? i'm gonna put the real nice like you know put a bow on it yeah yeah thank so you very much for next time yeah 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 and here i am you know i'm like oh uh Okay, I'll take it. And there, I mean, obviously, their holdup was. And you're like, standing in the airport. I, I mean, mean, just yeah, yeah. yeah I just I was about to bolt. And their their holdup in the whole process was well, because it wasn't for a, a full time position; it was for a part time position. Mm-hmm. They're like, is this guy really going to want to leave yeah. Minneapolis and move out to New York? Yeah. For maybe for a guaranteed one show every other week. Jeez. I was like, well, and I said, yeah. Of course I am. Yeah. So I packed my Mazda 626 a week later and, and drove out to New York. And um, there was I've had just like unbelievable experiences with that show. Like, you know, well, and how long has it been now? Well, I've been in the show for 15 years. Wow, okay. Show hits 25 years this year. It's it's a major Jeez. landmark yeah, for the show. It's amazing. Um, and, you know, while I was still in the New York show, I did a, a rock tour with it. I did a couple of, um, we, we, we toured actually as a, one of the acts in Moby's Area 2 tour, which was Moby and Bowie headlining, oh, wow. co-headlining. They'd switch off from night to night and like Busta Rhymes and, hey. and us. They didn't let Busta in Canada for some <laughs> strange reason. Um, but and, but the, the, the coolest thing that happened to me playing with Blue Man Group was that I actually got to meet and play the show with Phil Collins in the audience. Man, you know what? If you would have yeah. given me an over-under on how often Phil Collins would have come up today, I wouldn't have gotten, have gotten as far as we have right now. I'd have been like, eh, maybe once. <laughs> so yeah, you sorry, actually I got to overload you. But you got to shake the man's hand. I got to shake the man's hand and talk to him and, and like not be the nerdy, like, 
oogling yeah. super fan, which I am. I mean, I'm a super fan. Like used, we all play it cool, but when it comes I, right down to it, we're all just yeah, that. Yeah. But I was, I actually was authentic in the moment. Like I, f- I was able to communicate with him without babbling and just like, you know, what kind of stick do you use? All oh, right, the Phil Collins signature stick. Yeah. But you know, and I told him who he was for me, and and he was really receptive to that and you know we exchanged emails for a while and really me into a couple of shows it was really it's it's a it's the highlight probably of, wow. of my career with blue man and then they asked me to go to germany now that doesn't sound i mean now you were not putting it out post this is you can't walk but 10 feet in this town without seeing advertisements this is a big damn deal yeah it is a big deal i mean and the thing was is like like the way it worked was in 2004 they opened the Berlin shows the first international production and so they I was over here for the production rehearsals and for the opening and and then we had our initial offer was for 10 months mm-hmm. and so I was like okay I'll go over there for 10 months yeah did you ever have you ever considered Germany or specifically Berlin as a destination for you? No, as a matter of fact, I said no. They sent they sent a when we did the complex rock tour, which was in the better part of 2003. Somewhere towards the middle end of the tour, they sent a, a survey to everyone in the company. It's like, what do you? Would you move to a new city for Blue Man Group? Would you move to another country? Yeah. And then like one question was like, would you move to Berlin, Germany? I was like. No. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> so, yeah, so I ended up, uh, they asked me late in the game because they had a cast, you know, and I said no, and they had a cast, and I was like, yeah, I'll, just, I'll be back at Aster, and I'll do the shows there, and it'll be fine. Well, because they, they needed established members to come over? I mean, I guess you can't create no. something from scratch. No, that's the thing. They, they needed a core cast because there are hiring laws over here where, you know, because of work permission and everything, like, they wanted to have a representative from, like, a core of the cast to be over here. Like, one, maybe two blue men, um, and it would be a cast of, like, between five and eight guys total, of the blue men only, that would rotate in the schedule. And then, um, you know, two or three Americans and musicians. And one of the drummers from the States dropped out. And they came up to me about a month and a half before and asked me if I wanted to come over here. And I was like, yeah, I'll come over here. So yeah, 10 months. I can do A little that. less flippant to that time. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and all of a sudden, 12 years, you know, 12 years later, I'm still here. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's been crazy. I, I, just, I never thought that I'd be... I, this is funny. I've lived in Berlin, Germany, longer than I've lived anywhere in the really? States. Wow. Yeah. It's really, I, I always freak out when I think about that. I'm like, yeah, that's actually true. Now, to see the show, and I was fortunate enough last night to see it, it seems like it's kind of its own little world. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, you know, we most of us, there are a few newer guys, but most of us have been doing it for at least, most of us have been doing it since before the Berlin show opened, like in other cities. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple of guys who are relatively new, more so from the Blue Man side of things, like the band, the cast of band members have been, all of them are at least, I'd say at least eight, nine years okay. in the company. So we all got to know each other really well musically and as humans, friends, you know, whatever. Um, but um, it is, it, because it, it's based on an aesthetic, like the Blue Man aesthetic, which is that. It's almost undescribable. Like you don't know 
where they're from. You're like, they're aliens. They're mimes. It's like, well, no, they're just them. They're who they are. It's its own self-contained world, and that's fine. Exactly. And the idea is that, you know, they aren't from here, so they want to connect with everybody here. So it's like, that's kind of what, what steers the ship. And the cool thing about it is that we... When I say steer the ship, I really mean that literally. Like we, well, not literally, because we're not a ship. But <laughs> the show can go any number of directions. We have we have a core, we have a template, and we have a song. Like we have a structure to the show, start, middle, ending, with everything laid out in between. But because it involves the audience, yes, there's a lot of different ways it can we, go. It's gonna shift, and yeah. that's why it's fun to play the show. 15 years later because I'm not sitting in a, a no offense because pit orchestra musicians have a whole other level of respect for yeah. me but it's not that it's it's not a musical it's it's a, it's an experience and we're up there being character like we're in character yes. we're we're kind of overseeing the whole thing and we're super involved with the like the musicians super involved with the with the blue men in the moment and like it, you know, communicating with them and like shifting the, the, the where the song goes with depending on if they go into the audience yeah. or, or if they do something longer than normal. Like they have that ability within reason, just as we as musicians have the ability to, to kind of shape things a little bit within reason. And this is a grueling schedule. I mean, how many days a week are you doing two shows? Well, it depends, like from March until November. We do two shows on Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Because just seeing it last night, I mean, I, it just seems like everybody leaves everything on the stage. Like, I can't imagine this is being set up again, and then we're running through it again before yeah, you know it. That's just, I mean, you know, nuts. Yeah, you know you know who actually makes that show happen from night to night is the cleaning crew. Yeah. I'm serious, man. These Cause, people... Yeah, it's covered. I mean, it, it's covered with confetti, with streamers, with, with toilet paper. It's a mess. Paint. It's a mess, and they have to make it look like a new experience within they have, they've got about a half hour wow maybe yeah. f- maybe 40 to 45 minutes tops to like and not just the stage with all the muck on the stage we're talking like all of the paper out of the seats and whoever leaves food or trash of or course whatever. it's just got to be spotless and they're they're working their asses off so it's just like it's it's the case with any performance but it's show. like an it's army, like the, you know. You're the, going the, in. exactly. Yeah. The, the performers are a huge part of it, but the other huge part of it is everybody that isn't on stage that makes the show happen. It's an elite unit, yeah. Yeah, and that's like in theater productions and on tours, whatever. It's like you know, these these are the people that make it happen. You know, we just go up there and we do things that we love for an hour and a half, and then we go away. Then they have to do, they they have to make sure that it happens again, and that's amazing yes. to me. It's really really fantastic. And how is it? Has it changed your drumming at all? Yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah. I mean, this has gotten be- worse. No, good. <laughs> um, it has. I I think about drumming differently, and it, most of the drumming I do now is for the show. At least for now, in the past years, it has. You been. know, from being like the like jazz to funk to now this tribal thing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really interesting, and I I notice it mostly when I go when I go play other gigs, and I can't play them. <laughs> now, when I go play other other gigs, and I have to remember. Like oh yeah okay you know it's like it's I don't have to use I don't have to use all the toms on this one <laughs> but it has changed my playing and I, where's the Chapman player where's yeah, the Chapman really, stick I mean, on the stage come on <laughs> but um but I like that because it's somehow it's a more simplified approach to the kit which which I like I like that I I have that in in 
that I've incorporated that in my vocabulary more than I used to when I was younger. I think I think most musicians go through that and those artists like they get all of this information and they just want to use it all yeah like, yeah oh i got this one i got this oh yeah yeah and then it's every like, song then yeah. it's not so much music as it is like lick 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 yeah. lick. you know yeah. and um so i think you know maturity comes with with experience but it also like comes with new experiences and my playing with blue men has, has given me a whole other vocabulary of how to approach the kid specifically yeah so it's it's been it's been great for me to have that so but i have um now transitioning some questions personal questions about berlin um i've been here for three days now and i've got some questions the first off is the train ran by anarchists because i actually spent the money my girlfriend and i spent the damn money thirty dollars for a week pass at the uh, at the train station just so we could ride around. Yes. Now here I am, three days in. Never once has anybody even looked. I you you hop on the wrong wrong on the wrong uh, door on the bus. Nobody yeah. cares. No. You get a, nobody is asking for anything here. Nope. What the hell? I feel like this is entrapment. I feel like I'm going to get arrested every time. Like I always have the ticket handy. I always know exactly where it is. But never once has this been a concern. David, what the fuck? You know, and I um. <laughs> I wish I had something super clever to no. say, but uh, they, I, it's just, it's, you, they, you've been had. <laughs> I shouldn't have spent the money is what you're saying. Uh, you shouldn't have spent the money. It's, but the pass no. has a nice hologram on it. looks very official. It, well, it is very official. Everything looks very official here. Um, here's the deal, man. I got... It's an honor system, yeah. and it's... I'm, real, not, I'm American. I'm not used to honor. I know. Exactly. And Well, and me neither, but... Um, I've been so psyched. Like I, uh, the the theater we we get one through the theater, of course. Which is a you know it's a yearly thing. We we have to we have a, a ticket that we get for one month. We have to keep you know we have a huge sheet of paper that we clip the tickets out of for each month. They're labeled, and if we don't have it, like if you get caught without a ticket, it's like a ton of cash. See, it's, that's what I assumed. It had there had to be like some time where they where they just do a massive you know, dragnet. And, it, and it's the thing is, is like I, I mentioned earlier, I travel to Vienna f- um, from time to time, and it's at least twice as much there. And I've gotten busted twice in Vienna, and I've had to shell out like a hundred euro because you're used for to one train yeah. ride. <laughs> because that do- that just that's just the fine. That doesn't mean well, you get a ticket with that. It's like that you pay that fine, and then you have to go buy the yeah. ticket that you didn't have, and. It's like, you know, it's an honor system, and a lot of people use that to their advantage. But if they get caught, then it's at least, I don't know if it used to be like 45, I think, or yeah. something. And now it might be up to 60 or whatever. Yeah. And I, I've seen, I was on trains in the last week. Like, they usually, like the beginning of the month and then the end of the month, they kind of show up. Okay. And half the time, they're plain clothes. The doors will close on the thing, and all of a sudden, it'll be like, Fahrschein, bitte? And like you know, the whip this fucking yeah. calculator like thing that takes your ID and like and then you just, just fucked. Yeah, and then you just start scanning the tray and seeing people who are eyeing oh, eyeing man. the door real quick. Yeah, like, yes. and but it's too late. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. and the train starts to pull away, and then they make their call, and you're like, fuck, just scared to death. It's crazy though. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a fantastic system. Um, 
Yeah, hyper-efficient, hyper-clean, but I'm used to having to prove my worth and, that I actually dropped the 30 bucks. Yeah, and, it, you know, whenever I, whenever that, they, you hear the, the guy, you know, the people, like, you know, they say, they're like, Fasha and bitter. Uh, and my heart still jumps into my throat, even though I <laughs> know course, I have yeah. the ticket. I'm just like, so don't feel, don't feel like it's unique to you. Yeah. I think it happens to everybody. You're just like, oh, yes, here's my ticket. Yeah. <laughs> Um, other thing, I am a big vinyl file. Uh, been to a couple record stores here. My other question about Berlin, to now a local, I have seen a total absence of an artist I thought I would see a lot more of here in Germany. I'm talking about Heino. Now, if you don't know who Heino is, dear listener, no exclu- no ex- no. No expl- explanation. No explanation would do. There's nothing. No way I can explain Hino to you. Um, a Google search is in your immediate future. Actually, hit pause right now on Dive Bar Mitzvah. Go look up Hino, H-E-I-N-O, uh, and and then come back. But I have seen no Hino out in record stores. Is there some sort of cover up? Because <laughs> I assumed when I got to Germany. It would be a high note fever. You know, I just yeah. expected there'd be high note to the left of me, high note to the right of me. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, I um, I do know Hino. I I doubt that my appreciation for him might be to the ranks of you don't know Hino. You don't well, know not personally. Okay. No, because you're about to make me very excited. The Phil Collins yeah, no, thing was yeah. really cool. Saying that you know Hino, though, yeah, that's no, dangerous. No, 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 I, well, you know, Phil Collins probably knows Hino. Yeah. So by that, yeah, by by association, you yeah, might by know association, Hino. I might know Hino, um, but. He's he's the Carl Lagerfeld of, yeah. of the music. Right between Carl Lagerfeld and Pat Boone, you have Heino. <laughs> so yeah, I mean he might it's it's possible. I don't wanna I don't wanna tarnish anything, but he might be past his popular prime at the moment. Heino I yeah. thought was ageless. Well, he kind of, well, look at him. He, he seems like he is. He's yeah. been like encased in carbonite yeah. or something. I say he looks better now than he did in the 70s. Yeah, yeah he does. I saw a documentary about does. him not too long ago, and I'm like, Hino's a handsome man. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of my the extent of my Hino you're experience Hino, here. Hino and, yeah, I'm sorry. I wish I could be No, more. no, no, and I'm not holding you responsible for yeah, knowing yeah, everything about Hino. I'm just, up. yeah, just expecting more. Okay, good. Okay. Thank you. I, I like to leave people with that. <laughs> All right, David. Thank you very much for your time here at the the Scotch and Sofa. Scotch and Sofa here in Berlin. Um, it has been a great time. Um, I'd like to thank uh, you first off for for coming and doing my podcast. Our first international episode. This is great, man. Couldn't I had a be great, better. Yeah, it was I had a great time. Spectacular. Thanks for, thanks for having me. And I'd also like to thank all of the nice German people who have uh, have taken my butchering of their language in, in good spirits. Um, oh, speaking of which, here, here come oh, our yeah, spirits. Great. Speaking of butchering, and I'd like to thank them too because they still put up with me doing it after yes. 12 years. <laughs> Dalka? Oh, All right, so we just said thank you. <laughs> German's horrible lady. I know that's what I've been doing when I've been when I've been saying Donka. People will just go, "Yeah, you're welcome." Yeah, <laughs> that's that's possibly <laughs> yeah. the most telling. That was the thing. Like, man, when I moved here, like for the first five years, I'd try to speak German, and they'd be like, "Oh, you're from England." And I'm like, "No, like, yeah. I'm from America." Great, and it didn't matter. They just yeah. wanted to speak English, and then I was like, "Oh, good. Then I don't have to <laughs> try and speak German. Don't even have to." Have but her. that's why my German sucks so bad. Still. Yeah. 
All right, so we have this round here. We're going to drink them, but I'm going to ramp up this episode first. Everybody, thank you for listening, and thank you for continuing to listen, everybody. Please, every like and share uh, means the world to me. Do uh, it. Again, uh, uh, on iTunes, like it, comment it, share it to your friends, share it to your family. We appreciate it, and that is the reason we do this. And also, I would like to mention our fine sponsors. Um, of course, Paps Blue Ribbon. A beer I don't believe you can get here. No. No. Okay. Yeah, get I think the claps. Wait. Oh, forget it. <laughs> the Pabst Blue Ribbon to add extra flair to leisure time activities. Put an original Pabst Blue Ribbon in the picture. People of good taste naturally go for its old-time beer flavor. Original Pabst. Brewed as it was when it won the Blue Ribbon in 1893. So next time, put yourself in the picture. Enjoy original Pabst Blue Ribbon. Stand-up records. International. We like our comedy like we like our booze. Straight up and bitter. Check them out at standuprecords.com. Um, they have a new special out on Vimeo right now from... The one and only Derek Sheen. It's called Tiny Idiot. You should go there. You should buy it. You should watch it. New albums out all the time. Mary Mack, Maggie Ferris, Ryan Singer, Jim David, Corey Adam, just to name a few. And, of course, uh, the Roku channel. If you've got one of those fancy Roku devices, go to the channel store under comedy. You will find us there. So, anyway, everybody, thank you again for listening. And, David, thank you for uh, being a part of our first international episode. Um, I'd like to thank all of you for listening. I'd like to thank the French for also letting me butcher their language. And damn it, America, get ready, because I'm coming home.